This week on the Free Your Energy podcast, we sit down with Matt West. Matt West is a psychologist from Los Angeles, California. We talk about his journey as a human, as a psychologist, his mission, what he stands for, and what he's looking to create. We're going to dive right into my conversation with Matt. I ask him about what he was like as a seven-year-old. Let's free our energy. Well, that's a, that's a great question. Who is Matt West as a seven-year-old? So reflecting back when I was seven, I grew up in San Fernando Valley. So for those that don't know, that is about 20 to 30 minutes away from Los Angeles. So I was born and raised in Northridge. And, and growing up um, at the time when I was seven, I didn't really understand how my parents were able to afford things and, and really being able to navigate life in terms of their financial, spiritual, emotional. So I just always knew that they wanted to protect me. They wanted to make sure that I was in a safe environment. So I know that they put forth their best effort. But as a seven-year-old, you don't really understand all of those things because you don't have the perspective of an adult. So going back and reflecting on that time, I now understand that my parents did their very best with what they were given. And it's funny because I recently had a conversation with my father and we were just kind of conversing about his his mentor or not his mentor so much, but who's influenced him as he was growing up. And some of the influences he had was Prince, um, Tesla, and just to name a few. And what was interesting was he shared that those individuals were born with a gift from God in terms of their abilities, their natural talents. And we were going back and forth. And and in that moment, I had a glimpse of where his mindset was, which is that he believes that people have a fixed mindset and you are either born with some kind of talent or some kind of ability. And those that do not have it cannot acquire a level of success as a Tesla or a Prince, or at least the notoriety that they they embody, unless you were naturally born with it. And when I was seven, I also kind of had that same kind of fixed mindset. And I believe that no matter how much effort you put forth, no matter how much knowledge you acquire, no matter how much you want to grow, you already are born with a set belief or a set skill set of what you already are born into. And it wasn't until I had experienced a level of pain that I started to realize that if you put forth an effort towards something and you continuously focus on that, you can you can definitely improve your uh, your level of of success 
And, and it's not to say that I'm successful in that regard, but now I understand that if you put forth an effort and it's continuous, you can continuously get better every single day. And that's a different mindset than when I was growing up out as I was a seven-year-old kid. So it, and it's interesting just looking back and kind of thinking about it as we're, as we're having this conversation is that you don't realize it until something is impacting your life in terms of like a, a painful situation and it, it forces you to grow. Now, there are individuals that can focus on things and, and grow without having some painful experience in life. And that is the true essence of an achiever. When we compare someone that is not in a high achiever compared to someone that is a high achiever and looking back is looking back as a seven-year-old, I did not have that mindset. I had this mindset that I was just going to be some average person. And I did, I have accumulated a lot of things in terms of accomplishments and people would look at my life in terms of, well, you reached levels of success that a lot of people have not. So why would you think that you don't, you didn't have this mindset prior and looking at my accomplishments? Yes. I have obtained two masters in psychology by the age of 24. So that was a huge accomplishment. I've I've been in the in the industry of psychology for the last 10 years. That's another accomplishment. I was married at the age of 25. That was another accomplishment. So these life-changing accomplishments in terms of life, yes, they were, but I still had that fixed mindset. I was fixed on I cannot continuously get better. And it was just something that I recently started to, I would say the last two years, really started to understand the concept of I have the ability to improve every single day and that will lead to more success. So in terms of that, despite the fact that I, I have my degrees, I've been married, I have a beautiful daughter, um, there was a life-changing event where all of that was taken away. And in, in 2018 was the moment in my life where I've never experienced that level of pain. And the pain that I experienced was through my divorce. And I went from having this life that I was used to and going through the motions to everything completely changing. And in that moment of change, I started having thoughts of what am I doing with my life, right? What, what am I truly doing with my own life? And am I truly fulfilled? Yes, I've accomplished a lot in terms of what the world wanted me to accomplish, right? Go get a degree, get a, a great paying job, um, have a family. So I, I, I did all that. I had a great paying job. I had a family. I did everything that you would think in society you are a success, right? And it's not to say that I don't feel successful. I'm very grateful for all the life experiences, but I also have a better understanding now of what 
I want to define success for me and not based on what my family wants me to do or my friends want me to do or the world wants me to do. So sharing that with the world is something that brings me joy and brings me peace, knowing that now I can take control over what that looks like for me. <clears throat> it's tough, man. Uh, going through any type of divorce, especially you mentioned you have uh, a young daughter. Uh, so do you only have one kid? Yes, I have a, a daughter. She's She just turned six. Man, congratulations. Um, what, if you know, if you don't mind, what what triggered the divorce? What like what happened? You know, the relationship was obviously a beautiful one and still probably is, I'm guessing, because um, anytime you make a child, um, there's got to be some beauty there. Um, I have a child, a young child as well. So uh, what uh, what happened? So we uh, met through a mutual friend. We, we met through a mutual friend that attended USC. So she she attended USC, we met through the friend. And then in 2008 is when we really started dating. And that was, it was literally, it was like everything was happening so fast. And it, it was almost by design because I just graduated from Pepperdine. She came to my graduation. We just started dating um, at the time. I decided to continue my education. So I enrolled into another graduate program for educational psychology, started attending school. I did my internship and we decided to move in together in Marina Del Rey. So we were living together. I was driving back and forth to Palmdale. It was about an hour drive and everything was working out. Like we, we had a great connection and um, just continued to drive and I did that for two years. Then I, in 2010, graduated with my second master's and started started my job and we continued to live together. And two years after that, we decided to get married. So we got married in 2012 and everything was still going well. Um, and I And I think a lot of it is the fact that I stopped growing like as a person because I was very ambitious, I think naturally. And over time, so this is like 2012, we got married over time. I, I became real stagnant in terms of just going through the routine and not really changing. And I, I believe that change for everybody, growth and change for everybody is super crucial because everything grows, everything around us grows. And when you become stagnant, it hinders your ability to really live on purpose or intentional. So with that, reflecting back on that, I think that was kind of the start of it. Um, she had a major, so we're talking about major life events. So she had a major life event in her life where she lost the closest, one of the closest persons in her life, which was her grandmother. And that put a hinder, hindrance on our own relationship because she already had a lot of challenges with managing her own emotions. And with that, that kind of just set it off. So my shift 
of who I was now was her identity. And what I mean by that is I became her savior and her support and her everything. And I neglected myself. So my, and, and that's something that I naturally do. I, I naturally love helping people and I position myself to help her. But the, what the, the problem with that is when you neglect yourself, you cannot show up your best version. When you can't show up as your best version, you are not going to be able to help other people. Does that make sense? So that is something, and this is something for people to understand is it's very important, especially if you're the type that wants to help other people, you have to make sure that your own health, your own self-esteem, your own self-worth is not tied into any other entity. And that's kind of how it materialized at that point. And then that just continued on and, and continued on. And then two years after that, 2014, we had our daughter. And then that became my identity. So now my identity was not me as Matthew West, but more so dad and husband and supportive individual trying to be the rock for this family, keeping it together. And I lost who I was as, a, as an individual. And in doing that, it started putting a burden on our relationship. And we, we were not as connected, as tight as we were when we first started as a couple in a relationship. And that happens naturally in a relationship. You're, you're going to have to uh, really work on it. And that was not something that was occurring. It was more so, how can I be supportive of you? And in my mind, that's what I thought was needed to happen in, in terms of my role as a, as, a, as a person. So as that continued on, our relationship started going through rough times and I attempted to do multiple things and, and she attempted to do multiple things, but it was just, everything wasn't, it wasn't meshing well. And over time it became this tension and it, it reached its peak in, in 2018. And we both decided mutually that it's best that we kind of go our separate ways and, and we co-parent. So just to kind of summarize that, like that, that's, something that was painful because that's what I identified with. And it, it was that moment that I realized that I needed to focus on improving myself as a, as a person, as a person. So that way, if I'm in that position again, I can bring my best version to any relationship that I established or am I am currently in or am going to be in in the future. Does that make sense? Makes 100 uh, percent sense. So how, what were some of those things where you're like, OK, I, you know, I fell off of me. I fell off of my identity. I fell off of, you know, my my purpose. And then you said after 2018, you you made that commitment where you're like, hey, you know, I need to 
really focus on these things? What were some of the things you focused on and what, like, what did that look like in your mind and also in your actions? Yeah, hundred percent. That's another great question. So what I lost in terms of my identity was focusing on my health from a physical standpoint, an emotional standpoint and a mental standpoint. And what I mean by that is really focusing on my habits. So prior to that, I wasn't eating the best foods. I wasn't exercising on a regular basis. I wasn't focusing on managing my stress. So the way I was doing it was, it was like survival. So I would manage my stress by eating foods that were not healthy. I would manage my stress by drinking. I would manage my stress by smoking. So things that were not going to be beneficial to my physical health, nor my ability to manage stress. There were, it was a quick fix. It was something where in the moment it felt great. And that was my way of coping and reflecting back on that, that was happening over the course of years. So now it was programmed in my mind to do this every time I became stressed out about things that were going on in my life. And it was that moment where we separated when I realized that I need to really focus on that area of my life, my physical health, my emotional health, my mental health. And I started doing workouts at home, like very simple, just very simple workouts in the morning for 10 minutes just to get my heart rate up. I would do push-ups, sit-ups, jumping jacks, very simple. And I started doing that on a regular basis. And all of a sudden, I started feeling more energized. I started feeling like myself when I used to go to the gym in undergrad, when I attended Cal State Northridge, I used to go to the gym all the time. And I felt that level of energy and excitement and it became a part of my identity. So that, that, that was key is really making that shift of my physical health and turning that into a habit was it had to be my identity. I want to, my identity is I'm a healthy individual and, and going from working out at home, I started going to the gym. So now that became a routine for me going to the gym. And from there, it was, it was the building blocks of creating this healthy habit of focusing on my physical health. And I started doing cold showers in the morning. And then I started writing down my thoughts. Then I started reading the Bible. Then I started really meditating. So now I organically created this morning routine that I still continue on to this day. And it became a lifestyle. It became something where I now identify with being a healthy individual. And it started to trickle into my emotional health. Now managing my stress goes from instant gratification of drinking, eating foods, or smoking to now that's replaced with being able to write down how I'm feeling, being able to write down my goals, 
like writing down your goal should really be tied into five senses. So I, I have a very clear idea of what I want to accomplish. And when I'm writing down what I want to accomplish, I'm tapping into my five senses. I want to see it. So visualizing it. I want to smell it. What does that look like? I want to hear it. I want to physically touch it. So writing that down really creates this neural pathway in your in your brain to align and really focus on that continuously so that way it becomes real. Like it the 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 actual goal that you want now is something that's already real and you're just entering into it. So that was a that was a huge shift. And I just continuously focus on on that aspect and focus on managing my stress in a healthy way. And that has made a tremendous change in my own life because it affect it impacted my my own self-worth, my own self-love, my own self-confidence. And and the biggest thing is my self-discipline. My self-discipline, because discipline is huge like we like in that beginning stage it was it, i was motivated it was i had a painful event and i was motivated to make this change but motivation is only going to last so long if you really want to make that shift you have to do it continuous until you program your brain your mind your body to do it continuously so that way you have the self discipline and you no longer have to think about it. It just becomes a part of who you are. It becomes your identity. So really having that be the catalyst, <clears throat> what was happening in my life. And I applaud anyone that can do that without having a painful event. But for me, it was that painful event in my life that allowed me to focus and continuously grow as a as a person and i'm nowhere near where i wanted to where i want to be and i and i believe that this journey we call life is an infinite game there is no end result or end outcome and sometimes we tend to focus on this end outcome once i have this body or once i have this girl or this guy or once I have this business going or once I have this job or whatever that is for you, we focus on that as an end all be all. And we feel like once we have that, we become happy. But it's actually reversed. And I believe that you have to really be happy and at peace before you obtain any lofty goal that you create for yourself. Because once you are joyful and happy, content, have gratitude in the present moment, anything that happens in the future is, is an added bonus. And, and that's what I, I truly believe, Sylvester. Man, it sounds like you, you went through it, but you didn't just go through it for the hell of it. You know, you went through it with, you took it and you said, you know, I need to I need to get something out of this. You know, like if I'm going to go through something hard, if I'm going to go through some pain, like I need to get something out of this. And it's, I think the word that we really should use is like transition. 
you know, because essentially you, your life went from one one format to another, which is uh, a transition. And I applaud you for just owning what you feel like you weren't doing enough of or, or, or what you were lacking and just owning it and just saying, you know, I'm going to I need to return to, you know, what I was doing that that helped me get happy with the, getting back to the fitness. So for you, was was fitness something that that you just kind of learned on your own or, or did you play sports growing up? Like, how did you learn what to do? Yeah, in terms of fitness, I've always been an athletic person. I played soccer, basketball, baseball. And what stuck with me was soccer. Like, that was something that I was really good at. I played club soccer. I played that throughout high school. And in college, I no longer had that. So I started going to the gym. I started going to 24-hour fitness. And that was just something that I always love to do like that that is a passion and and that's kind of part of what i share with others is to really focus on your physical habits it's make sure it's tied to something that you love to do because going to the gym or working out is not the only form of exercise but we we all know that exercise is something that's beneficial but maybe for you it's riding a bike or walking or just something that requires you to physically move your body. Our bodies are designed to move. So for me, like fitness has always been something that I love, I love to do. And I got really into more recently into high intensity functional training. So not trying to be like some big bodybuilder or trying to have massive gains of muscle, but really making sure that aesthetically my body looks how I want. So my clothes fit, I feel confident. I feel like I, my, I have a, um, I'm in great condition and more have like, and have this athletic look, but there's a function to it. It, it, it improves my mood. It improves the way I feel about myself. And, and that is, the functional part of it. So it's not just working out for the purpose of working out, but there's, there's a function to it. And that's what I emphasize the most. And I'm, I'm actually launching a web app that is going to tie my passions of fitness, mindfulness, mindset, habits, and, and blend them together. So that way people that are interested or at least they also are aligned to fitness and really improving their mental and emotional wellness, it can be a a fun, immersive way to do that. And for me, fitness is fun. So if it's not something that you truly enjoy, you're not going to do it. You're not going to continuously do it. So I had to select a, a habit that was going to be fun and something that I would continuously want to do. And that's something that I would encourage people to do is if you're going to make a shift in your life, it's important that it's something that you truly want to do and you truly want to enjoy. And you have to reflect back on your life 
And if there's things that you need to, and the only reason why it's important to reflect is if you're going to make a correction, if you're going to look at it as an opportunity or a challenge that you are going to make the change. And a lot of times what, what we do or we tend to do is we look at our past as a place where we reflect, but we look at it as, oh, I should have did this, or I, I, I regret doing that. And had I did this, then my life would change. And to be honest, like I used to have that same mindset. I used to look back at all the mistakes that I made and play this what if game. Like, oh, what if I didn't do this? My life would be in, in a different direction. But I, I made that shift. And this is an important shift to look at those things that you experience, those life moments, those life experiences as opportunities to learn and grow. So that that's something that is super crucial is to look at those moments as opportunities to learn and grow and avoid making those same mistakes that you made in the past and really stay in the moment, stay present. And the only time we should look in the future is if we're planning and not focusing on the outcome. So staying present and moving forward. You went through a lot of changes over the last six years, uh, one of them being a parent, becoming a dad, becoming a father. What was that like? What was it like to become a father what have you learned thus far in the journey? Yeah, becoming a father was probably the, the the biggest life change that I've ever experienced. And that moment that I was at the doctor's office and knew that I was having a daughter, in my mind, going back, like thinking back on that moment, in my mind, I wanted to have a son. Like I was, I was fixated. I wanted to have a son in my mind. And when I found out I had a daughter for a split second, I was like, man, I wish I had a, a son. But I realized that that moment was the moment that I knew that I, my purpose was bigger than what I envisioned. And that moment was a time where I decided to take on more responsibility. Even though I had a lot of responsibility, I, I took on more responsibility. But reflecting back, one thing that I would change would be preparing prior to it. Because there was a moment where I wasn't prepared to be a father. I wasn't prepared in that moment, but as I learned and as I grew as a person, I understood that it's important to really plan, especially when you have a, a child, you're bringing a child into the world. Fortunately, I was in a position where it, it didn't hinder my ability to be a father, or at least I didn't have this, this major struggle at the time. But it did change, shift my perspective in terms of what I needed to do in terms of being a provider, what I needed to do in terms of being a father. And 
it, it was it was truly a blessing. Like maybe I was naive to think that I wasn't ready, but I always wanted to have a family. I that was something even before I went to graduate school, something that I planned and thought about ahead of time. But it, it's much different when you actually have a child that's coming into the world. And that during that time, we lived in Marina Del Rey. We decided to move to Orange County, where my ex-wife was raised, because it just was a better environment for our daughter. So everything now shifted from us being in a relationship and it's just us two to now bringing in a person into this world. And now we are focusing all our energy, all our resources on this person that we're bringing into the world. And, and one big thing that we both agreed was very important was her education. What environment was she going to be brought up in? So knowing that Orange County had great schools, it was a great environment to raise a, a daughter or or any or, or son, that was something that was super important for both of us. So we decided to make the move. We relocated to Irvine, California, and uh, that that was a pivotal moment because it went from being in a relationship to now having this family dynamic. So that was that was something that definitely was another pivotal moment in my life that I learned a lot from. So what's it like having a girl? You know, I have a boy, I have a young boy. And I think for me, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of like masculine energy that just naturally transfer transfers over. And I don't have a girl. And, and what I'm hypothesizing in my head, and I'm sure you'll be able to speak to this, is like, I think there may be a, um, like a balance, almost like an equilibrium you find where you still keep your masculine frame and you're a guy, obviously, uh, but you soften yourself up a little bit to, you know, tune into your daughter's like feminine vibrational frequency. So... Like, is that something that you had to go through? Talk, you know, talk, talk us about, about that. Yeah, that, that's an interesting concept in terms of like, I know it's, it's super popular, this masculine alpha and this feminine energy. And there, there, I believe that there has been a shift. Like women are now in, in a position of, of power and, and a lot of women now are, are breadwinners and, and things like that. But for me, like I've always been in that position of I was the breadwinner. I was the, the, the alpha in terms of the masculine energy. And the, my first instinct is, is to interact with my daughter in that way. So I want her to be in sports or do, do things that I would do with a, with a, with a boy. But as I interacted with her, I, I started to be more in tune with what her needs were. And that was something that was important because naturally a, a female is going to have certain instincts 
And you have to adapt. Like as a as a dad, you're going to have to adapt to those things. And in terms of that, like for example, like interacting with her, playing with tea or like tea time or playing with dolls. Like for me, I wanted to play with cars and and things like that. And that's very stereotypic, but she wanted to play. We we like I try to introduce her to like science, but she always gravitated towards certain things. And I think there was even one point where I I purchased a like a science kit because I really wanted her to focus on like things related to science, technology. So I purchased a, a science kit and, and I was excited because she really wanted to engage with it. And, and she's always been a very curious child in the sense of how she looked, the way she perceived things were, was she really wanted to understand how things work. So with, with that, I think part of it is what society wants women to be or, or or at least a girl but it's important that you understand their instinct or what they naturally want to gravitate towards and understand that you can foster it like whatever you I believe that whatever you put in front of a child they're they're going to gravitate towards it they're going to acquire those attitudes they're going to acquire those beliefs so it's important that you're uh, you're self-aware of what you're projecting onto your child. So that that was something where I learned as I was going that when I when I'm interacting with her that I'm bringing energy, I'm bringing positivity because that's going to reflect onto her. Does that make sense? Absolutely. What's one thing so so think about your parents and the way they parented you. What's one thing that you 100% have brought to your daughter as a parent that you learned from your parents? And what's one thing that they that they brought to you that you say, "Oh no, that my daughter won't be getting any of that." So one thing that resonates with me would be um, from in terms of what I acquired my parenting style from my parents is they always made sure that they were there for me, like in terms of being nurturing, supportive. And that was something that I adapted as a parent as well. Like I always wanted to make sure that I was there physically, emotionally, mentally for, for my, for my daughter. And that was something that, I noticed my parents did for me and my sister growing up. But in terms of my outlook of, okay, what do I, what do I foresee my daughter becoming as an individual? So my parents, what they instilled in me as I was growing up was you need to go to college. You need to get a degree. You need to become a doctor. You need to become this person that is going to be labeled successful and seeing that dynamic growing up or at least being a part of that growing up that's what was programmed in my in my mind but that was something that's different 
in terms of what I'm presenting with my daughter. I want my daughter to think more of what she can add value to the world. And it doesn't necessarily have to be aligned to a degree. If she decides to do that, I want her to also look at building her own business. So that was something that is much different than when I was, what I was taught. And to this day, it, it, that's something that's been a challenge because my parents still have that mindset. And anything that is related to entrepreneurship is taboo or something that is is something that they don't really understand. And and they it make it apparent when they bring up the fact that, oh, your sister is a doctor and she married a doctor and and that becomes your story. And for those that experience that pressure from their family, it's important that you have your own identity and it's not, you're not looking at it from a viewpoint of validation from others. Because a lot of times we seek validation from what our parents think or what our family thinks or what our friends think. And when you are truly confident and you have this self-worth, you no longer need that validation from other people. You respect their opinion. You respect what, what they're saying. And obviously, I respect my parents and I respect their opinion. However, that does not need to be a part of who you are. And that's something that I want to instill in my daughter is that her self-worth is based on what she brings in terms of value. And it's not contingent upon what I think, what her mom thinks, what, what my parents think of her, but it's really aligned to how she perceives herself and her self-worth and making sure that that is the center of what she does every single day in, in regards to her as a person, her if she wants to start a business or anything related to her career path. Talk to us about uh, your career path. You know, we know a little bit about your education, uh, but talk to us about your career and some of the things that you're involved in. Obviously, I was a guest on your podcast. Uh, why do you have a podcast platform? Talk, you know, talk to us about what you're doing, your movement, and yeah, let us let us know. Yeah, hundred percent. So my focus right now is to empower people to be less stressed and experience more joy. And in doing that, my movement is based on me actually living what I'm telling people. So it's, it's not just strategies or, or tips, but I'm actually living it every single day. So every single day I'm, I'm learning, every single day I'm actually applying what I'm learning, so I'm actually living it. And the next phase is going to be leading it. And in doing that is based on this concept of, of merging that, that fitness, that love that I have for fitness. So that, that's my passion with mindfulness, with mindset, with creating this, this synergy of movement that relates into creating this healthy habit from a physical standpoint, emotional standpoint, and a mental standpoint. 
And I created this to empower people and let them know that they can take control regardless of, of where they're at. So part of, part of that is me, my background is in psychology. So I've always, I've always had this passion for, for psychology. I've always had this passion for fitness. And my passion for psychology dates back to 11th grade when my teacher, Mr. Prince, he was a psychology teacher, introduced me to psychology. And ever since then, I always wanted to understand why people did what they did. And from there, I started to really learn more about how our mind works, how psychology is tied into our, our brain. But it was something where I had to continuously learn about myself. But if I reflect back in, in 2012, when I, I started my career in psychology, one thing that I learned was that I should have started building my personal brand then. But instead of looking at it as uh, what if I started back then or why didn't I start back then, I'm looking at it as an opportunity to continuously build what I already know about psychology, about how our mind works and how that's connected to our body and really create this space where people can be empowered. And that's something that I'm, I'm excited about because now I have a platform, I have a podcast that brings on guests that shares their stories about how they develop their mindset, about how they develop their habits. And that story allows people to get a glimpse of what's possible. And I believe that stories are very powerful. So that was the main reason why I started my podcast, because I wanted, the, I wanted people to have the opportunity to hear a story in a bite-sized, quick segment where you can listen in your car and learn some insight to apply to your life. So I started so, that. Oh, go ahead. Talk to me about the psychology of that, you know, bite size. You're doing five to 10 minute clips. Um, you know, you allow me 30 minutes when I came on because I told you I'm long winded and I need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate that, you know, because I, I looked at all your episodes and I'm like, oh, this, it might not let me talk because I, you know, I get going. And, um, <laughs> I remember I was, you know, when we were talking about setting it up, you're like, yeah, that's that's no problem. That's fine. You know, I'll give you 30 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, yes, thank you. And uh, for me, it was like it was it was just a cool opportunity to try to condense a story or condense and be very like super, super direct. I appreciated that. Uh, but talk to me about your psychology from, you know, creating the bite size five to 10 minute episodes. Like what? How? Like, why did you decide that? Like, talk to me about that. Yeah, so the the reason why I, I decided to do a bite size is um, I wanted to do something that was different. And then also, I understand that people have a short attention span. But 
at the same time, I want people to gain value. So the, the value is in the story. And if I'm able to capture that in a in a, a, a quick segment where people like at that point, you don't have an excuse. Like I, I like there's so much information out there. There's so much things that you can really focus on. But if I can have five minutes of your attention and this five minutes can have an impact on your life, then I know that I did my job in terms of giving that value to others. And that's essentially what I want. And as I continue to build this platform, I want to be able to really push this concept of there, there is, there's, there's a lot of information out there. It's like we're, we live in a day in age where it's like information overload, but it's important to really apply that information. So from a, a from a psychology standpoint, it's one thing to know the information, but what I want is I want, I wanted to create this space where there's actionable steps. So you hear an insight from someone's story. Okay. Now you're drawn in by the story, the story you're drawn into. But the, the key is what piece of advice can I take from this story to apply to my own life? The story doesn't have to be exactly the same. But I believe that the human experience for everyone is the same. And whatever that is for you, there's, there's a gem that you could take from it. And that's what I wanted to create. I wanted to create this space where you can have an actionable, practical tip you can apply today in, in your life. You got my brain moving because... I personally, I enjoy uh, long form conversations. I put, I mean, I write books, so, <laughs> you know, I like long, drawn out, detailed, you know, I like to dive into things. I want to understand, like, I want to understand everything, you know, which is pretty much impossible, but it's what I want. I want to understand. So that's why I ask a lot of questions. One of the reasons I created my podcast and one of the reasons I like to bring people on is because I like learning. You know, I like learning. Uh, I don't like to only use the set of information that I have. You know, my information can become outdated. My information can be uh, one tenth of, you know, the, the puzzle. So I may need to get the other nine tenths from other people. And so I like using the podcast to just learn. Like, I mean, I've learned so much from talking with you today and just, um, you just gave me an idea. So I'm not going to stop doing, you know, long form podcasts because I have uh, a great retention rate. People listen like all the way through every week. They listen all the way through. They listen to the stories. They they dive into the to, to the guests that come on and um, they give them good attention. And I appreciate that. But what I am going to start doing is probably using maybe like a Wednesday or Thursday. I'll figure it out. But just taking like a 10 minute section from the long form contest content and then resharing that you know so like my podcast usually comes out on like a sunday or monday and then what i'm going to start doing because of you is releasing a, a short clip five to ten minutes every wednesday or thursday i'll have to figure out logistically when i'll be able to do that but uh i i appreciate that you know uh because maybe 
maybe you can't listen to the whole podcast this week. Maybe you got a busy, you know, busy thing with your kids, but maybe you would still like to dive in now because of what Matt West taught me. I'm able to give you, a, you know, five, seven, 10 minute clip that you can come tap into on, you know, in the middle of the week. So I appreciate that. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Yeah. Even if it's like a newsletter, like you can, you can uh, package it as a newsletter and you could tune in every week. I mean, I, I, I love, I love that idea how, um, and, and that, that's the beauty is being able to collaborate with other people and, and just com- continuously build. But I, I would add that one important piece is for people to learn how to learn. That, that's something that we, we are never taught, especially in school. Like we, we, we were never taught the skill of how to learn. And what I mean by that is, it's important to identify your learning strength, your learning modality. Some people are auditory learners. Some people are visual learners. Some people are kinesthetic learners. So it's important that you identify your own strength and you are using that strength to learn. Because I, I'm, I'm, I'm a lifelong learner. Just like you are. Like, I love to learn and I, I love have conversations with people because I learn so much from other people and I'm, I'm, I'm a student of life. Like, I love to learn, but I'm also aware of the best way that I learn. And maybe your learning style is a combination of auditory and visual. So it's important to really know how you learn so you can maximize your ability to learn. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So how does someone learn that, though, if they're not sure? And, and that's always been my, my problem with public education, by the way, is that they always give like standardized testing for a way. You know. There is a such thing as test taking anxiety and there's people who struggle taking the test simply because they don't know how to get in the right mind frame. They don't know how to get their energy right. They don't know how to collect their thoughts or you give them this test and then they feel overloaded by all the information. But if we were to change that system and to make it where, hey, you know what? I'm going to ask you your questions and you can just talk to me and, and have a conversation. And you can just answer your questions in like an oratory way. Some people would actually do better. If you were to ask some of those people the questions in a video format, they, they would ha- they would actually do better. You know, and some people, you know, like the ACT test in high school, you're taking that test on a Saturday morning at eight in the morning in, in your high school. Well, everyone's not awake at eight in the morning. <laughs> Some people aren't operating at, at their best, their most efficient energy until two in the afternoon. You know, and that's always been my problem with the American like just standard education system is it doesn't really customize itself to people's uh, specified way of learning to, to what works best for them. So, you know, obviously we know how we me and you know, like what works best for us. But if a person doesn't know, like, hey, what's my best way of learning? What do you recommend they do to figure that out? And that's a that's a great question as well, because the, the actual system that's in place, formal education, it, it's, it's not going anywhere. And um, one thing that I noticed, especially with like gurus or some of these uh, major players in, in the any space, I hear a lot of them talk about self-education and I'm, I'm a big proponent of self-education as well. 
But what I'm what I hear a lot of them say is just focus on self-education. But the 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 problem with that is if you don't know how to learn, it doesn't matter if it's formal education or self-education. And if you go the path of self-education, it's actually gonna be more challenging because with formal education, like you know the the path. Like for like for me, like I knew that I needed to go to graduate school to get this specialized degree in order to become a psychologist. If you're going to be a doctor and you are specializing in being a like a surgeon and you're specializing in a specific area, like you're a brain surgeon, you're going to need to go to school of formal education. And you want there's like a, a specific path, right? So a lot of the a lot and, and and this is more tied into the younger generation, is they they believe like what's the point? And it's it's rightfully so. I mean the, the student loan debt is is in the trillions. So the the traditional path of becoming or at least having a secure career is not the same. But it's important to understand how you learn and how that is accomplished is identifying how you learn best. Identifying when I do this, when I look at videos, I, I'm, I'm in tune. When I study world history, I'm really focused. So it really starts with identifying what you already enjoy doing. It starts with identifying that and being able to start from there. And then once you identify, okay, I, I really gravitate towards this type of information, what is the style when it's presented to me? When, what, type, when, what time of day am I most alert? Like, am I more alert at night? Am I more alert in the morning? Like, like for me, my most productive time is in the morning. So anything that I'm absorbing in terms of from a book or a video, I'm making sure that it's at a, a time in the morning. For others, it could be at 12 o'clock. So it, it's really working on understanding yourself. So it really starts with understanding yourself and when, where, and how you are able to learn best. And that, that's at, in, in terms of like the simplistic form, because that, that's, a, that's a whole conversation of how to learn. Learning how to learn is very similar to learning how to think. A lot, we're not, we're not taught how to think, right? It's, it's just something that we are doing, but we're not really being aware of how we're doing it. So being like self-aware is really where it, where it starts. And that can be applied to how we think and how we learn. Does that make sense? So what do you mean when you say how we think? What do you, what do you mean by that? So how we, how we think is if you know that when you hear information that is causing you pain, being aware of the pain 
is going to allow you to focus on a solution. Right. If you're not aware that when you interact with a and this is very simplistic, when you interact with a person and they are saying things that are hurtful or cause you pain emotionally or physically, if you're not aware of that, you cannot focus on a solution. So, okay, great. Now you're self-aware that this person or this thing that was said to you is hurtful or painful. Simply being aware of it is not the end-all be-all. And a lot of times that's what we, like the self-awareness can actually be a hindrance. So it's important that you use that to focus on a solution. To focus on, okay, I'm going to use this awareness to now grow as a person. I'm going to use this awareness to use it as a challenge. And to use my own personal experience, that moment that I experienced in 2018 was a painful experience. I was self-aware that I was physically unhealthy, mentally unhealthy, emotionally unhealthy. But sitting in that and in knowing that I was in this dark space, just the knowing of it is not enough because what happens is you might be stuck. You might get stuck in that moment. And that's where it can lead. If it's, if you're stuck too long, that's where it, it could lead to being in a, in a depression when it's prolonged. It's okay. It, it's okay to be there. So when you when you have these thoughts, it's okay to be aware of them, but you need to make make the next step. So being able to accept it, and you need to make the next step to either okay, can I alter this? Can I alter this thought so that I that way I can change my emotion? If you can't alter it, then you need to be able to adapt. Adapt the, the environment, adapt your interaction with that person. And really accept it in that moment so that way you can focus on a solution. So the big key is once you identify that, once you are at a point where you're self-aware, you need to make the shift to focus on a solution. Focus on growth. So that way you can continuously move through those emotions because the emotions are going to be there. You're going to experience emotions. And we have thousands of thoughts in our mind every single day. And it's important that you take control, be aware of it. And what I mean by take control is you are focusing on what you can do in that moment what you can do, not what is out of your control or what you can't do. And that is a, is a skill. You need to be able to practice that because the emotions are going to be there. The emotions are going to be there and it takes practice to understand how so you can actually take action towards changing how you feel and what you think about. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, for sure. So do you work with, uh, like, do you work with clients? Like, what's like your typical day like uh, as a psychologist? 
So right now I, I work with um, more so like students. So my, my typical time is I work with students and in focusing on managing their stress, their anxiety, so things like that. But my, my passion is working with companies and, and startups. And my passion started with that in 2013 when I started my own company. And the company was called Scrub Scriptions. So what it was, was it was a monthly delivery service of scrubs being delivered to nurses. So it was a the business model was reoccurring. And I was inspired by a company called Dollar Shave Club. So I, I, one day I was just at, at home and I was watching a video on YouTube and this video popped up. And it was like Dollar Shave Club. At first, I thought it was a joke, but then I started doing more research into the company and realized it was like it was like a legit company. It was funded, and it just it kind of blew up. and And I just um, did some research. I would say like a maybe like a year ago, and found out they 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 bought that company out like last year or, or maybe this year or this year sometime. And it was bought out for like, uh, like a, a, a significant amount of money. But that was something that once I saw that, that was something that I, I started to put myself in, in my, during my free time. So I would have, I was still working. And when I was living in Marina del Rey, there was a, influx of startups that were coming to Venice. So like Snapchat and a lot of these um, companies were coming into Venice and they were coining the area Silicon Beach. So I started going to events, meetups, started networking, and I really fell in love with that, that spirit of, or that collective of being able to start something from nothing. So that's always kind of been my passion. So my, my shift now is I really want to get back to that because I, once I moved to Orange County, I no longer was a part of that community. So I'm making that shift now. And I, I currently still reside in, in Orange County, but I'm planning to relocate back to Los Angeles in September of this year. And once I'm there, I'm going to get back into that, that scene in terms of make and, and using my platform to work with those companies and those individuals in, in that space. Cause that's ultimately like what my passion is, is, is being able to work with companies and providing a resource for them. So essentially what I want to do is provide mental and emotional wellness to, to those companies. So that's something that I'm currently working towards and something that I, I want to ultimately do in the future. So it sounds like you have a very good, uh, would you say business savvy, business understanding? I would say that it's it's something that I continuously am learning. I wouldn't say that 
it's something that I'm great at, but it's something that I definitely am learning every single day, um, reaching out to mentors, reaching out to individuals that have developed a business. Cause I, I am, I wouldn't say I'm the person that is great at running a business or starting a business, but what I, what I know is psychology. So that's just something, I, but I know that in order to shift from working like a nine to five to owning my own business, then I have to have some level of knowledge about business in, in that regard. One of the things that I feel like has made me successful as uh, an author, as a creator, is an understanding of marketing and sales, and which is essentially business. I think um, I think everyone needs it. I think people need to learn how to sell themselves. You know how to if you're going into an interview and. 10 other people are competing for this job, but all of you are qualified, right? And let's say sometimes you go in situations like this and, you know, somebody knows the manager, you know, they went to the same college as someone, you know, you have those quote unquote unfair situations. But let's just say, you know, the situations are fair. It's 10 people who are all equally qualified. Who's going to get the position? In my opinion, it's going to be the person who can sell themselves the best. And I feel like it's a, a skill. It's a learned skill to be able to sell yourself. It's something that I envision myself teaching. That's one of my, I think one of my next passions that I'm going to do in one of the next legs of my, of my branding business that I want to do is just create courses and segments for people to teach them branding, to teach them business, to teach them marketing, to teach them how to sell their self, their brand, their business, you know, because we work so hard on the things that we care about. You know, you've worked so hard to develop yourself in psychology since you were 11 years old, you know, taking it to the highest degree of education and then partnering with other people, developing your own firm, developing your own brand. It's like one of the things that I believe in with the Free Your Energy podcast, the Free Your Energy book, Free Energy Movement is that we deserve to be free, you know, and if you're creating something and it's not getting enough eyes, it's not getting enough attention, it's not it's not going where it needs to go. Then to me, that's literally a lack of one thing. It's a lack of not knowing how to sell it, not knowing how to talk about it, not knowing how to share it. And I'm so proud of you for where your platform is at right now. And, you know, I follow you on Instagram and, you know, you you share your fitness, you share your words. Uh, you share a little bit of your personal life. You you keep most of it private, which I do the same thing. But you share you share a little bit, and I'm proud of you for being willing to be vulnerable, to put yourself out there. To you know, it's a scary thing to put yourself out there and say, "Hey, this is what I think. This is what I feel. This is what I believe in," and then you let the world eat you up. Decide if they wanna if they wanna you know rock with you or if they wanna talk bad about you. It's a scary thing to do. So how did you how did you find that courage and that strength to start putting yourself out there daily with with your podcast and your writings, your fitness? Like, where does that inner strength come from? Yeah, that inner strength really starts with my belief in myself. And 
if you were to ask me that same question or if we were having this conversation, even I would say three years ago, I was not a person that would feel comfortable even doing a video, let alone putting it on social media. And um, even looking back at some of the old videos that I, I've completed, like I've noticed that I've improved in, in the way I deliver it, the way I'm, I'm speaking. And that's something that is important because you have to have a belief in yourself. And what I mean by that is this self-worth and self-confidence and self-esteem in order to focus on what you believe in. Because a lot of what I believed in, and that was my old mindset, was based on how people are going to think about me. What, what are they going to say? If I if I do this, what, I, what are they going to say if I want to branch off and, and start my own business? And my 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 business is not where I want it to be, but I have a clear vision of what I want it to become. And once you are clear and you define what you want, everything else is the how to is easy. The how you can go figure out the how to. But if you don't have the right mindset that you can accomplish it, it's going to be very difficult to even seek out the knowledge of how to. And when, when you asked about or where you at in terms of your business, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Like the, I'm there in terms of mindset. Like I have the mindset and that inner strength to put myself out there, to be vulnerable, to share what I believe in, what what my passion is. But once you identify your passion and what you're alluding to, taking that passion and turning it into a purpose, and that's something that I believe. Once you find your passion and you turn it into purpose, that's when your purpose meets service. Because as you grow, that's something that we need to do across the board, anybody. But the art of fulfillment is when you're able to share your purpose and give that value to others. And you're able to do that without even being compensated. But as you do that, as you share your passion and people are gravitating towards your energy and you're now you're being compensated for it, then you, it's not tied into any external factors. And it really starts with your internal drive and what you're truly excited about. And the difference between what I'm doing now and when I started my other company, Scrub Scriptions, is I didn't have a passion for scrubs. I was just looking at the external things in terms of, okay, how am I going to monetize this? How is this going to be something where I can benefit from it? Those are all external. How am I going to get recognition? Those are all external factors. And yes, those external factors will get you started. And a lot of times that's why we tend to, and I'm, I'm this applies to me, not just anybody else. That's why we tend to dabble into certain things and we don't sustain the effort that's going to be required to be successful. Because that's where you're able to, and you already have accomplished that. You have stuck to what you did. Your format is very clear. 
when you wake up, like this is the, the things that I'm going to be doing. So that was the shift that I had to make with myself is what is something that I can do without being compensated and I get excited about doing every single day because it's going to be something that I have to do continuously. There is no end to what I'm doing. All there is is how can I improve on it? How can I improve on this concept? So that's something that that's super important for people to understand. Whatever you do, whatever that passion is, it has to be something that you literally are going to be driven by internally. You literally get excited about talking, just talking about it. You literally get excited about creating and you are creating this to create value for others. And you're not doing it because of some external factor, whether that's recognition from your family, recognition from a company, recognition from your friends, or monetary value. Those things are, are great. And when you can combine internal drive with external drive and you put that together, it, it, it just creates this synergy, this force that is it literally you become unstoppable. But it, it starts with that internal drive to continuously do it without any external factor. And that doesn't mean that you don't apply some kind of reward. But it's important that whatever that internal drive is, it's very small. You can, you can actually measure it. You're writing it down. You actually see what that looks like. You smell what that looks like. You, you, you can feel what that looks like. And you continuously take action towards that every single day and you reward yourself. There has to be a level of reward. And that reward is something that you control, that you create. So that way you continuously take action. So you turn that motivation into discipline, into, into a habit. A habit is something you do automatically. And in order to do that, it, you really have to focus on something that you already are, are excited about and not something that like, oh, well, this, this is a new trend. I want to, I want to start this. This looks like it'll be great. And, and I see a lot of that too. Like, for example, um, for uh, a good example, like Forex trading, like if some people are like, they literally are excited about trading and, and doing the, looking at charts and things like that. And you, you can get really good at it and you can learn how to do it and you can find a mentor and things like that. But if you're just doing it because, oh, this person just made 20,000 in a month, you may, you may try it out. And you may be excited about it for a couple of weeks, but then now you're on to the new thing. Well, I'm, I'm going to try this, um, this, this multi-level marketing where we're selling, um, tea that can make your stomach flat. And then you, you dabble into that. Well, that, that, did, whatever happened with that? Oh, well, I'm, I'm trying this new thing. So whatever you do, it has to be continuous. And, and I'm speaking from a personal standpoint. That was how I used to think. I used to think like, okay, let me try this. Let me try that. And I never was laser focused and clearly defined what I wanted. 
And what I mean by clearly defining it, writing it down, I literally have it written down very detailed of what it is that I want. Tapping into all five senses, written down exactly what I'm going to accomplish with my body, with my finances, with my emotions, with my spiritual side. So very clear. So that way that you are literally wiring, training your brain to focus on that. And there's your brain does not know the difference between something that is real and something that is not real. And that's where that, that creativity, that's where your imagination kicks in. So everything that you do can be created. And it, it, it's, it's deeper than just the law of attraction. Like the law of attraction is real, but it, it's deeper than, oh, if I visualize this, then it's going to happen. Oh, if I, if I make these affirmations, if I say that I'm this, then it's going to happen. It, th those, are, those are just words. It becomes real when you can tap into your five senses. When you can imagine it already happening. So once you get there, you already enter it. And like, and like I said, I'm, this is not just tips or strategies because there's tons of information out there. I'm actually applying this to my own life. And I'm actually living it and I'm actually growing every single day. And the only person that you have to compete with is yourself. That's it. The only person is yourself from the, the, the previous day. It's you versus you. And I believe that very strongly. Now, that's not to say that I don't look at other individuals that have reached a higher level of success. But the way I, I perceive them, instead of looking at it in an envious way or looking at it like, OK, what's wrong with what I'm doing? I'm looking at what they're doing and seeing how I can improve on what I'm doing. So I'm using that, their, their knowledge, their experience as an opportunity to learn and grow. And we're, and we're, we're constantly growing. Everything grows. Everything grows. And we're, as humans, we're not exempt from growth. Trees grow. Animals grow. The only difference between an animal and us is that we have the ability to change what we think about. We have the ability to go in a different direction. And that could be detrimental if you're, you don't take control over your, your thoughts and your emotions. But once you are in a position where now you're aware and you're taking control of your thoughts and your emotions, you empower yourself to take control of your life. And you could take your life wherever you want it to go. Like, that's up to you. Whatever you want to design, you can do that. But it's a, you, it starts with having the understanding and understanding what you can do. Really having that confidence in knowing that you can do it. You already are doing it. You already are great. And, and doing it every single day continuously.
where can the people tap in to everything that you're doing? So the best way to connect with me is through social media. So I am on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. I have a YouTube page. I write on pre, uh, Medium. I write every week on my blog. So I am mattwest.com. They can find my social handles. I am Matt West. And that's the best way to, to connect with me. Also, your podcast. How do they find your podcast? So the podcast can be viewed on Apple, Spotify, and also my website as well. And the, the title of the podcast is Brain Boom. So Brain Boom, if you type in Brain Boom, you can locate it on Apple, Spotify, and yeah. I am Matt West. I am. After after listening to you speak today, I feel like I am Matt West. Uh, just tapping into your mindset, <laughs> your journey, uh, the things you believe in, the the vulnerable things that you shared about what you, how you feel, how you're fighting through, how you're working. I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on here and helping us free our energy today. Yeah, hundred percent. So, Vester, I mean, it, um, anytime you want to connect. Um, like I said, I'm going to be located in, in Los Angeles. Let's just tap in because my vision of what I want to accomplish is, is very large. And I already I have a clear idea of what I want to do. And in terms of the, the impact I want to make, and it, it's just a matter of um, putting in the, the, the continuous effort because I'm, I'm in terms of motivation. I don't I don't need motivation. Like, I don't believe motivation exists. Like you don't you don't need willpower. When once you align to what you're truly passionate about, like you don't you don't need any type of willpower or motivation. Like you literally love to do it. And and I've I've found exactly what I love to do and now I'm gonna live that through my purpose and, and share that value with others.